Okay, welcome back. Um, we're going to continue on with the topic of Adventist education. Take it in a few different directions. So, what do we think? What do you think we should go next, Adrian? Well, just talking about the systemizing of education in the 19th century, we come across uh, the 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 efforts to standardize education. So, a lot of education uh, these days uh, is divided into two big groups: accredited and non-accredited. And uh, some of the for-profit schools uh, tend to be non-accredited. They get you through the the material faster. They charge a lot of money up front. Uh, but you're able to uh, get into the workforce. Uh, a lot of times that education does not transfer from state to state. Um, it's kind of localized. But it does seem to serve the purpose. But on the larger scale, we have uh, accredited and non-accredited education. And the Adventist Church, uh, sometime in the past, probably like way back in 19 in the 1900s um, decided to go down the accredited accreditation route for medical school and then ultimately for the seminary as well so we have um, this um, system of accreditation that is both internal and external so let's talk about the external uh, accreditation process um, with the accreditation process uh, they require certain things to be in place in order to give their accreditation or blessing or seal of approval, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that is you have to have a library w- stacked with uh, tons of books that people can can access. You have to have research programs. You have to have tenured professors, something that we'll come to uh, later. Um, and then you also have to have uh, a financial base uh, that is stable enough for the the university to exist and um, that along with the school's uh, standardized scores both for the faculty and for the the students uh, provide the long-term guarantees for the quality of the education and then of course you uh, tack on to it the employment rates uh, that students have for their uh, once they graduate and the placement, job placement rates, and things like that, uh, crime statistics, and other things that all play into uh, whether or not a school is desirable for for a student or not. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, external uh, accreditation in terms of uh, academic uh, freedom okay. and uh, what that entails. Okay, so you're gonna have to lead out with that because uh, okay, I'm, I'm not uh, as familiar with that. Okay. So academic freedom uh, begins with the idea that professors need to have the freedom to produce the kind of original research that uh, propels the the field of expertise uh, forward. So if there's a system where an uh, an academic professor is not able to uh, produce their ma- uh, their material or their research, or they produce uh, research that is contrary uh, to the tur- church's teaching, um, and they uh, publish it, and then they want to teach their students, then that obviously causes a conflict. So what we have, whether it is, and this does not matter. This it doesn't matter whether it's theological research or scientific research or social research. Um, it just uh, it's the nature of research in general. So obviously we 
we when you when you do research you go and find uh, you you study something you find it uh, find what you're looking for and you publish the results so including the methodology and the process you went through to accomplish the thing and if it's done in a scientific way then it's it's probably uh, something that that should be replicable so if someone follows the same process they should be able to come up with the same uh, or close uh, results to to validate the 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 research that was done so where that comes into conflict with the church is when uh, people do research and their research leads them to conclusions that may or may not be supported by the church's teachings yeah what would you how would we, how would we work through that um, yeah, I think this is a problem um, because we've never really sat down to, to structure, uh, to, to, pres to precisely articulate what our perspective is and, and the sphere or the parameters with, with within which we need to do research. And um, so within the great greater Christian context, there are several schools of thought on, on you know, how theology is derived, how it develops, how, how it needs to be formed. And we've created a situation where people within our system have bought into other schools of thought and um, they, they uh, build their theology following those lines of thought, those methodologies. And even though at times they seem parallel to our way of thinking, uh, their whole basis is different. This is both scientific and theological, yeah. right? Yeah, so science, obviously, you know, the, the main issue is with evolution. That's a whole different ballgame. But in, in theology here specifically, uh, people approach theology from different angles. And um, the once you've entered, it's, it's kind of like a, a train track. Once you've entered on that, you're sort of stuck uh, going in that direction because the whole logic of the system falls apart otherwise. Um, so if we had clearly quantified the type of theology we were uh, intending to do as a denomination, then people could work within that sphere, within those parameters, and, and uh, innovate and, and, and build and it will still fall within the lines of where we're trying to go with this. And even if somebody takes things in a wrong direction, at least we could say, uh, we've tried doing that and it didn't work, and here's a doctoral dissertation explaining why it didn't work. Um, so if somebody wants to try that direction again, they need to, to come up with some other angle or, or find a, a different way of doing it, but let's not waste time. And that would be okay. But when somebody um, is working within a completely different system, that doesn't benefit us at all. So in those situations, we would have to have a conversation about just discarding our system altogether if, if it's come to that. Okay. But otherwise, um, it's a waste of time to have people that we employ within our institutions building on systems that are alien to our way of thinking uh, unless we're just completely done with our system altogether. Okay, so since, uh, just so that it helps me out, helps me to think this through, we're talking Right now we're talking about theological systems. We'll come yeah. to science later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in theological systems, just to, to clue people in, uh, there's various systems out there for thinking. So there's the broad Armenian Calvinist uh, perspectives yeah. in Protestant mm. Protestantism. Then there's Protestantism and Catholicism uh, in and of itself, which is two different systems. Yeah. Um, but then within Protestantism, there's also uh, a wide variety of differences. So... 
the problem that we have is that it seems like the Adventist Church, the Adventist Church started out with a system where we we began building on the sanctuary uh, hermeneutic. So we we saw within the sanctuary doctrine a way to place all our our, our other doctrines and also explain uh, reality and uh, the whole concept of the great controversy and things like yeah. that within that system. So uh, doing doing theology within that system would imply uh, believing in the, the sanctuary doctrine to to begin with. And now we're not just talking the investigative judgment; we're talking about everything from Exodus. Uh, actually, from Genesis onwards, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, with the existence of a physical sanctuary in Exodus twenty-five eight, and then going on uh, through through biblical history. So for 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 Adventist theologians, uh, that would would have been the place to start. But historically, what we did is we developed it, but then we went towards a missiological uh, framework, and we kind of focused on missions. Yeah. And uh, since the eighteen seventies and what that did is it uh, restricted us from, or we, we never went back to c- complete our, our theology uh, or our foundation. Mm-hmm. So um, because of that, we're missing a, f- a full framework from which, to, from which to do our theology, and people have done independent work into various aspects of it independent of this framework. And so um, because of that, our, our theological system has, uh, because our theological system is under- underdeveloped, um, and other theological systems are probably more developed uh, in the in the Christian world. Uh, we've had people that have uh, gone towards those systems and have actually borrowed some of those systems and brought them back to our to our church. Yeah, and and they're intrinsically incompatible. Yeah. That that's just the nature of how how theology works. So just to give the listener a little bit of a back background. Um, the way theology is arranged is based on um, your um, initial source from which you build your theology. So within the Christian world, there's different views of how theological truth is derived. Um, so the question is, uh, what role does Scripture have to play? Are there other authority sources beyond Scripture? Or maybe is there no actual authority and we're left to figure out our theology uh, through just natural human intellect, reason, philosophy, and nature, nature, science, and, and just the typical ways that people make sense of things. So th- this these different perspectives have divided Christianity for centuries now, and um, they, they have been developed, like you said, into, into well-thought-out systems. So, you know, if you take the Bible, um, some people see the Bible as basically God just writing down a bunch of information exactly the way he wants it. And he put it in this book, and it is what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect um, printout of God's opinions and thoughts or, or how he feels about the world. And, and that's one view. On the other extreme of the spectrum, you have people who say that the Bible is just a book where regular people thinking about God came up with stuff and wrote it down. So you and I could pretty much sit down and write a book and it would be of equal value of a book in the Bible. So those are the two extremes of the spectrum. But within that spectrum, we have people like like uh, the original Adventist way of thinking where we believe that God inspired the thoughts, not the words. 
so the the author had some leeway in how he expressed himself and and how exactly he he related the information and you also have to the other end of the spectrum but closer to the middle you have this perspective where the bible um, functions as a sort of guide to something else so it's pointing us maybe to christ um, the information itself doesn't mean much in and of itself except that it's slowly building a picture of somebody which which is christ so it's not in the content and it's in what it points to so you have this wide range of um, views and to make up for this range of views, you, ha you also have to have other authorities involved and, and use other authorities to build your theology. Now, for Adventists, we've always been of the perspective that we have to build on the Bible alone, uh, the Bible being the central and the highest source of authority. But we took this view that the Bible wasn't intended to be taken as a full transcript of God's will or, or you know, God's revelation, but more of a thought inspiration type thing where there's, there's a, a little bit of the human involved in relaying the information. Um, however, we, we had a certain approach to the Bible, and you mentioned the sanctuary. The point of the sanctuary wasn't that, um, you know, we came up with this doctrine, and now we're going to use it to, to read the Bible. What we're saying is that by making the Bible the primary source of authority and looking within the Bible to see what framework it itself develops, we, we, we derived the sanctuary motif that seems to be the, the meta-narrative that brings all the pieces of the Bible together. It, it's the inner logic of scripture, uh, the, and that is uh, portrayed in the system of the sanctuary as, as God's Old Testament way of relating the gospel to the Hebrews. Yeah, so part of, part of the problem that we have in theological research today is that people... Um, they use multiple sources for um, arriving at their concept of what truth is, what theological truth is. For some, uh, the Bible is the source. For others, it's Bible and Ellen White. And for others, it is a multiple source uh, framework. And so within that framework, when, they, uh, when you have a multiple source framework, um, you can have it where... Um, the Bible is the norming norm, so to speak. Uh, it's the, the final authority for all the various uh, pieces of evidence that you pull together from other sources to, to determine what truth is. Um, or you can have it to where um, you take the Bible and the Bible only and all of the Bible, so sola, tota, scriptura. So in that concept, you take, as Mike was saying earlier, to find the inner logic, you take the Bible and you let the Bible uh, unfold its revelation and then explain its revelation as it goes, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. And as you uh, enter into uh, Scripture's world, so to speak, I give this imperfect analogy of a movie. So when we, when we read, when we watch a movie, let's just say, um, and uh, we enter into the movie's logic, the writer of the movie, whatever the logic he created. So in that movie, uh, people are killed, and the, the scene just moves on. Nobody asks what happened to the dead bodies or who takes care of the dead bodies or anything like that. Or people jump from building to building, and we don't ask how they can do that. We just accept the rules of the movie, and we just move on. So in this world, when you read the Bible, in this way, when you read the Bible, you enter the scripture in such a way that you let scripture define the world, 
and you let scripture explain what the world is and you understand its inner logic for what it's what it's trying to accomplish now scripture isn't trying to give a definitive uh and you know a definitive uh thing about the entire universe and everything that's in it it's just saying uh here are the things that are important and this is how it relates to salvation and the relationship to god the rest of the things i think um once you get those principal foundations those principles into your foundation the rest of life kind of orders itself and flows from there so um the problem is when we're go- going back to our <laughs> the thing that we really started out with which was education and then uh, academic accreditation and then original research is that uh when professors or uh academic scholars when they do their research it it matters a lot what kind of presuppositions they bring to the table when they approach scripture so depending on the presuppositions they have those presuppositions end up uh coloring or influencing their s- their reading of scripture so the way that they need to be transparent is they need to write down their presuppositions to begin with study scripture let scripture then re in uh inform their presuppositions and then they go back so it's almost like a circular method uh through which they they do their reading a really good book on this subject would be one put out by uh, an andrews professor john peckham called canonical theology and i think i have it here um it's worth reading you can find it on scribed um it's called uh, canonical theology the biblical canon sola scriptura and the theological method it's one of the best books that i've read on this subject and i think mike has mike would agree now talking about the larger aspect of uh, academic accreditation and uh, original research is what do you do when somebody joins the the teaching faculty and they want to know that if they do original research they're not going to lose their job the next day and when you do original research how do you protect against the charge that the church is uh crimping the research or is hiding knowledge from people or something that's damaging uh to the uh the mind of the the individual so to speak or or to the church so a lot of times the examples uh from the medieval times are given where the church outright denied um science and outright denied the foundings uh, the the findings that that Galileo and others came up with that completely rejected uh, s- uh the the findings of the church now we need to probably take a minute or so to explain that history so that people have uh, a good concept of of where things go first of all uh maybe we should pause here and start a uh, next uh session yeah let's uh let's close with this one and then continue on um in the uh, in the next episode